This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, you are listening to episode 269 of the Stacey West podcast. I am your host for this evening. Or this morning or this afternoon, depending when you're listening. My name is Gary. You may recognise my voice and you may recognise the voice of my pundit, co-host and partner in crime for this podcast, Chris Lamming. How are you doing, sir? Hello. Very, very well, thank you. Sore legs. Very sore legs today. And that's um, because you've you've come out of retirement. (laughs) Yes, I'm in retirement. Yeah. I did my first run for our 10K yesterday. Um, My first run of the year. As mentioned in our last pod together, um, not a runner. <laughs> I have been significantly fitter than I am currently, but uh, um, running was never my my forte, certainly distance. And I had no idea what level I was at like, because I hadn't done it for such a long time. I know 10 years ago, if I had to run a 10K, I could probably do it if I had to, but I didn't know. And I had my settings wrong on my watch. Thought I'll do 2K just to test the water, see how it was. Turns out I did two miles. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so I was I was pleasantly surprised that as, as much as I've got a long way to go, um, the starting point isn't quite as far back as I thought it was. So that was pleasant. And then I had to dust off the old goalie gloves this morning and play, uh, play 90 minutes in goal um, on a pitch that you couldn't stand up on. So that was interesting. Couldn't uh, stand so, up on? Yeah, so like obviously the weather's got a little bit more mild today, but it's been freezing all week so it was, it was one of those awful pitches where it was, of course it was rugby's pitch uh, so oh, like the okay. first, the, the, yeah uh, so the first I don't know, inch of it is soft like really soft basically water then underneath that yeah. pretty much ice uh so you just couldn't get a foot in so every single goal kick i took i think i slipped over <laughs> that's, <laughs> your it was excuse. that's your excuse and you are sticking got, to it yeah i got voted man of the match i'm, I'm gonna take that to the grave yeah, I would. Well, I, I've done a run also today because um, now it's not just me where people on the Stacey West, Pass, Stacey West podcast will go do your run. So, uh, yeah, I did that. First one without leggings today. So I was quite happy. And the thing is, I looked at my pace and I'm like, I'm really happy with that pace. I'm beginning to build it up. And it was pretty much the same as your pace uh, for the first run that you've done, more or less ever. So 
yeah, we, we have this thing. Chris Ray has this this thing where he thinks that you're going to be the you're going to need to to beat him, not the Stacey West podcast, because basically, um, you know, the competition on the Stacey West podcast with, and I'm going to be try and be as respectful as possible. Ben, who by his own confession is wildly unfit. Uh, me, who is part metal, part part man, um, in my back, and Charlie, who's blind. <laughs> I mean, you know, this is the same Chris Ray who ran to the game yesterday. I know. Yeah, so and he, he did. He wasn't even sweating. No, like because <laughs> I did that three and a half mile, whatever it was, uh, three and a half k yesterday, and, and I was pleased that it wasn't quite as awful as I thought it was going to be. But I still hated every second of it, <laughs> and I didn't enjoy it at all. And I was very much sweating and breathing heavily on the way back. Chris came. To, for the game yesterday in his shorts and t-shirt just just got there went and got a coffee went and got changed and he couldn't tell he'd been for a run and do you know where he lives go on collingham oh, bloody hell <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was. well like, i was mentioning him on twitter and uh yeah because i didn't have a clue where he lived he said we're into the game i was like that's pretty impressive um and then just kind of a bit of a snidey comment saying at this is the point you reveal that you live on simsel bank I guess yeah. I don't even have an LN postcode. So I knew it was a while away. I didn't know it was quite as far as Collingham. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's yeah, fair play to him. It was a, it was a, a good run. It was an achievement. Um, and yesterday, I think, was a day for achievements. Um, we've got one thing, really, to talk about on this podcast. And I fear that we may go over the hour because... Um, I I labelled on my article that this was the wind of change blowing through Sinsel Bank. Probably a little bit unfair because we have spoke on the podcast um, for the last couple of weeks about certain things that we had seen changing. You in particular have been firmly behind this idea that you can see Michael Scabala's influence slowly seeping through the team. But I think there's a difference between able being able to see that as a, dare I say, as a student of the game, which I would certainly class you as and potentially me as well you know we, we look at the game as as a subject we look at it as a as a thing that can be taken apart by numbers and tactics and broken down like a science but football's not always a science and it hasn't been as easy to see the changes without breaking it down so on the face of things we've been losing games not creating quite as many chances yesterday in my opinion probably bar the Barnsley game which was a bit madcap but yesterday was the first time where I think even, dare I say, a layman, I don't want that to be offensive to anybody, but the first time that a layman, somebody just doing the eye test, not doing the numbers, not looking at who's running, who's pressing, how many, what's the PPE, DA, XG, all that sort of stuff. Somebody who just watches a game of football and goes, has something changed? 9,700 fans, 1,800, so what, 8,000, um, 7,900 Lincoln, something like that. Don't think one of them will have come away from yesterday's game thinking nothing's changing. Um, so let's start at the start. We've got a lot, a hell of a lot to get through, to be fair, for a nil-nil draw, just no goals. Line up. Um, we were in the fan zone, got the line up, and it's who's playing where, what's happening. And for the first time, I think we've got a Lincoln City team where you can't say we play one a particular formation. Yeah, well, as as um it was really nice for Michael Scubal to clear it up to, 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 to let us all know that we definitely were playing two different shapes, 4-4-2-3-5-2, four, four, two, two, um, out and in possession. But it's nice to look at a lineup and think, oh, who's playing where? Who could do this job? Who could do that job? Rather than just thinking, it's a shame so-and-so is missing. Who's going to play up top? We haven't got anything up front. Who's going to create something for us? Like We, we can see where the chances are coming from. We've got the excitement of a, of a front two that I'm sure we'll touch on in quite a bit of depth later in terms of how they, they tandemed each other. 
and yeah, it was just, I don't know, I just went into the game yesterday just really excited, just just really kind of positive. And I said, pre-game, what, what did I want out of this? A good performance. If it, a narrow loss and a good performance, I'd have been satisfied. Obviously, you'd rather take something out of it, but a narrow loss and a good performance to really show that we're on the right path um, would have been would have been what I was looking for. And I was, still, I was delighted with it, obviously, after, as we mentioned. But yeah, in terms of lineup, um, I thought it was really interesting and really, really pleasing that Lass played in a different role than he started in against Wickham because he started in that out possession midfield for right midfield, in possession kind of inside right centre midfield kind of bursting the lines. Um, but then after the changes, when we were better against Wickham, that's when he went into that right back slash right wing back role. Um, and I think that just suits him. And I think right a really attacking right back in a four is his best position. I think that's his long-term position for us. And so I was really pleased to see that that's where he started. And I think that Sean Rowan playing left back in four slash left centre back in a three in again in that in that hybrid in the system that we played it just tandems really nicely on that other side of the pitch so yeah in terms of that I thought it was great um, Rico starting of course was big and and Ted starting again I think was big I think you know we had a lot of creative players it was probably the first time for for weeks months probably where I looked at the team sheet and thought we've got some real firepower here and it wasn't just it's solid we've got you know we've, we've got a decent you know, first two thirds of the pitch, you could see you could see where we were potentially creating chances from just by looking at the team sheet. So yeah, it was a really refreshing feel to the team sheet. I have to say, I think picking up on Ted's important because in his post match interview, he was speaking about how happy he was to be playing through the centre, um, and I put in my match report kind of, can I get a hallelujah? Because I hate seeing him out wide. I don't like seeing wide players who don't have pace and don't want to take players on and Ted isn't about that he you know he can surge forward but he's certainly never going to hug a touchline or beat a man out wide and for me it kind of it, it narrows the entire attack when you're playing Ted in the centre um, and at times bear in mind when we were playing a 3-5-2 you're almost playing um, Ted alongside Ethan Hamilton in kind of an advanced role it, it, it's quite it's quite an interesting dynamic to be fair and um, I thought he had a really good game he's now completed back-to-back home games and bear in mind there's been some ways in between so sorry that should be successive home games not back to back um 90 minutes or, or whatever in in those two matches he hasn't done that he hasn't played 90 minutes or more in a home league match since mark kennedy's first game in charge against forest green um i think it was his first game in charge his first home game potentially mm. against forest green or was it Exeter his first home game? So yeah, it was one of the two. Yeah, but at the start yeah, of last season, second. basically, is yeah, the yeah. point you're making. Yeah, uh, yeah, start of last season, and I think that's interesting. And the only other two games he's completed ninety minutes in since then uh, were both in the cup. I think against Barnsley and Doncaster potentially in the League Cup at the beginning of last season as well. Mm. If you can keep Ted fit in that position, for me, he rotates with Danny Mandroy. I, I don't, I don't think I want to see either of them. Side by side, uh, I like to see Ethan Hamilton. He Dare I say, when I say harder worker, I don't want that to make to, to look badly on on Bishop or Mandroyu. That Hamilton is a midfielder that can sit a little bit deeper with a round when you're under pressure, whereas you probably wouldn't expect that. You know, if it was Danny and Ted Bishop at the same time, and I think you can have one of those kind of creative players, but not both. Is that face of yours going to disagree with me? I would agree with you last week. Um, because in the agree last week, yeah, in, in the shape that we played last week when Ted came on, he played 
if you're thinking of 4-4-2, he was right midfield. But when we transitioned into our 3-5-2 shape, he tucked in uh, into like that right centre midfield role. So you have Ethan Arahan kind of holding. And then this is last week, by the way, against Wickham. You have Hamilton next to him and Bishop next to him either side. Yesterday, um, Ted, um, and, I, and I didn't expect this to happen. Um, my prediction pregame was it, it, that's how it would be. But actually, Ted was the one that was playing next to Arahan on the left-hand side of him, generally speaking, with it was actually Ethan Hamilton who played in the right midfield role out of possession, and he tucked in, um, which actually surprised me. It, the, the dynamic worked well, but I think it was interesting to point out because Ted said how pleased he was that he played centrally, and mm. he did play that. He was central midfield for the whole game, whereas when he came on last week, he was centre mid in possession, but he was wide out of it. Where he was centre mid all game yesterday, and I thought he was good out there, def- in there definitely. Um, but I actually thought, like longer term, it'd be. Rahan and Hamilton in those two depth, like all like 100% central roles. And then, yeah, definitely Ted and arguably Danny. I think, I'll be honest, I, I, on how we played yesterday, the system we played yesterday, it's difficult to see where Danny Manjuri fits, other than in that right side of midfield role that, that drifts in. Um, but I also noticed that Ethan Hamilton was playing there. And I assume primarily because he really aggressively pressed their left back. So we kind of allowed them to, to play the ball to their left back a lot but that was their kind of outboard but we use it as a trap and like you say you don't want to criticize players in terms of work rate and i think danny mandrew has been criticized harshly in terms of work rate but i think we all we all see uh, ethan hamilton's work rate as a real he really excels in that it doesn't it goes above and beyond in that regard yeah. um so yeah i struggle to see where danny mandrew fits into this current system and i'm a, and I'm a danny mandrew fan um but i think it was interesting to point out that worth pointing out that it was actually Ted and Ethan Arahan that were played centrally yesterday all the time and it was Hamilton out wide whereas it was the other way around on Saturday last Saturday against Wickham I I think it worked better better to to Ted's kind of Ted's skill set because Ethan Hamilton yeah I think Ted's skill set complemented Arahan's in there um, yeah. because you've got the, the ball winner and then someone that can really look after the ball. Whereas Hamilton, as good as he is, is, is all action, isn't he? And I think sometimes yeah. you need to settle it down in the middle of the pitch. And Ted did that brilliantly yesterday at times. And that's my point about Bishop and Mandroyo. And it's the same point I made last week, to be fair. So I don't really know why I'm making it again. But the two of them will slow the game down. And yesterday actually was was our attacks were more about the pace with which we attack with Rico getting down the sides quicker or Joe Taylor getting in behind. So I, I think the last thing we wanted to do was slow the game down and let Derby get behind the ball. That's the lineups. Really interesting that it's one, we're one of the youngest teams in the division, albeit the average age yesterday was more than Cambridge and, and, and Wickham um, and Derby, one of the oldest teams in the division. And when you look at some of their players as well, it's borderline ridiculous. Kane Wilson, championship quality, Curtis Nelson, top quality defender, cash in highly rated, God knows why. Callum Alder, Championship. Max Bird, highly rated. Hurahan, Bark Hughes, Lewis Sibley, brilliant. Do you know what I mean? This is, for me, a team that will be top two or top three at the end of the season. This was a massive, massive test. Massive test. And I think in the early part of the game, Derby showed that. Derby, and this surprised you off air, Derby had 18 shots yesterday. They had two on target. And they were both in the first eight minutes of the game. So Lucas Jensen pulled off two saves, first eight minutes. I thought we were under the cosh a little bit. I thought that Derby came out kind of all guns blazing. There was a few corners they delivered early doors that were right under the crossbar as well that we we, we looked to struggle to deal with. Um, and so it looked like it was going to be a long afternoon from that perspective. But I think really early on, it was evident that this Lincoln City side were not 
just here to defend. We hadn't picked a team not to lose against Derby. We'd picked a team with winning the game in mind. Um, and it will bring us on really to our first major talking point, I think, which is the Joe Taylor-Freddie Troper dynamic. Um, now, for me, the Joe Taylor actually didn't work in the first 25 minutes particularly. It just looked like he was a little bit um, not on the same kind of radar as Draper, yes, but not some of the other players like Rowan was knocking a long ball over into the channel. Taylor had dropped near for it or Taylor went for a header that someone else had gone for where if he had dropped off and more than a flick off, he just looked like he you know, looked a little bit um, not out of sorts, uh, but you know, just like he hadn't probably gelled with the team. Um, but then he got his big chance. And from there on, I thought he was excellent. But that dynamic in particular uh, really, really impressed me. And that's what excites me going forward is Taylor and Draper as a two up top. I think that's our starting front two from now till the end of the season. I agree 100%. I thought they were both superb. I thought Freddie will touch on Joe Taylor because I think there's more to talk about there in terms of actual chances. I thought Freddie was superb. Absolutely superb. Everything you want from a back to back to goal centre forward. He he's 19 years old and he's beaten up a centre back that's that's linked with top championship moves and a guy that's going to have a good career in the game. And I remember we had an evening with Jez George not so long ago, which we mentioned on here, which was brilliant. And he showed a few clips of, of, of Freddie. And he, he beat up the whole League of Ireland. It's clearly he's beaten up League and League Two, and now he's beating up centre halves in League One. The guy is, I can't believe he's 19. He plays like a player that's a seasoned pro. He's superb. Um, looked a bit hot potato in the first few minutes. Like you say, I think Derby had the first few, definitely shaved that first element of the game. But once we got a foothold at times, I thought we were superb. And yeah, Freddie really, really gave them a, a tough game. He just he just never lets, he just never gives them a second. And he's all full physical, all elbows, you know, backs in. He's just a nuisance. And he's, but his link up play was good. His awareness of where his teammates were were really good. Um, and then once a couple of those things came off, that then allowed Joe Taylor to have the space to then get in behind. Because I don't think Joe Taylor's going to be involved too much in build-up. He's very much a poacher, isn't he? He's an like, yeah, advanced yeah. forward sort of role. I don't think we want him to be involved massively in the build-up. That's what Freddie's job is to be. Build, you know, back to goal, get us up the pitch and, and hold it up and get teammates into the game. Joe Taylor is to get on the end of things. And, you know, if he's on the shoulder of the defender, he's... He'll create chances. He'll score, he'll score goals. I know he didn't score yesterday. He had three big chances, but you know, I think what we all saw yesterday is first. It's nice to it's nice to have those sort of chances to miss, isn't it? Because we ne we haven't seen chances like that all season, really. Um, and of course, I imagine he'll be disappointed with, with with not with not taking one of them. But just the fact that he was able to create them was 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 superb. It was it was brilliant, and it was really I really noticed it. And I appreciate I'm going off piece a little bit here, <clears throat> but in the second half, there's one really small moment that it just shone through. And it, it made me kind of think they're under the cost here, that they're panicking here. Because in the first half, Joe obviously got in behind twice. So I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll touch on those two chances specifically. And there was a moment in, this, in the second half, it didn't lead to anything, where Joe started to run. I think it, was, it should have been a 50 50. And, and I can't, it must have been cashing. I'm not sure, but I think it was cashing. And rather than going to the ball, it's like he just thought, oh, bugger, I, I can't. I, could, I should win this, but if I can't win it, he's in behind. And he just backed off 10 yards. Yeah, I, don't I, think Joe Tiller, I don't think Joe Tiller could realise quite how much space he had. No. Because oh, yeah, he, just, he was yeah. terrified of him. Absolutely terrified yeah. of him. When's the last time we could say a centre-back in this league was terrified of one of our centre-forwards? And I think they were terrified of both of them yesterday. And it was oh, so refreshing. It was so refreshing. I think the taste test will be after next week. 
because the, the the top two teams, you know what they're going to come and they're going to try and attack us, and and that you know, Peterborough actually defensively haven't been wonderful. You know they're really good going forward, but I think that they're susceptible. I think Derby were as well. The taste test is when we play Fleetwood, Exeter, and they come here, or Burton when we go to Burton as well, where you know you know that they're going to try and defend and take the point. But I think we've got that kind of almost double trouble. You know, we've got the big guy who is going to beat you up. And if Freddie Draper can get the better of, and it's not just cashing, you know, he was battling Curtis Nelson at times as well. If a 19-year-old boy can get the better of them, there's no reason then why you shouldn't be able to beat up defences like Exeter that have, and that, you know, I know they're still grown men. I know they're still professional footballers, but defences that just, if they're lacking a little bit of confidence, yeah, I think that's going to be a big thing. Absolutely. It's pressure, isn't it? It's If you can keep the ball in the opposition third in their box, and you just keep, you know, keep the pressure on them. You force mistakes, you force errors, you force chances. That's what we. That's how we got back in the game against Wickham last week. That last twenty minutes was superb. What you know, we didn't play free flowing, pretty football. We just didn't give them a chance to get out. We just kept them pinned in. And I think against those sort of teams, yeah, I think I feel like you say the test is that you're right that that is the test. But I just think we actually have the attributes in the squad in a squad now to be able to keep the pressure on those teams. And even if we're not playing at our best, even if we, you know things aren't free flowing because it's not going to be all the time, I think there's enough there to keep the pressure on them to force errors. The amount of times last season and the season before, Fleetwood always comes to mind. I can't remember who else it was where we conceded a couple of last minute equalizers. And it's like the, the, I remember we, we we mentioned it in terms of squad building in the summer about having a big guy to bring on. But it's more a case of you know chasing a game. And you just you just lump it in the box. It's horrible as, as kind of obviously there's, there's more nuance to it. That's that. right. Ultimately, no, no, it's, it's keeping pressure on, and it's just putting asking questions to defenders. And you know, no matter how good the defenders are at this level, you know they're in League One and not in the Premier League for a reason. There's a mistake in every one of them. And if you put enough pressure on somebody, you're going to create chances, even half chances. Um, so yeah, I agree in that the big test will be against those teams that play deeper and there's less space, particularly for Joe Taylor to kind of get in behind. But I just feel we've got the ingredients in the team t- to at least be able to put them in that position. You know, if they can't get out, if we drew nil-nil because we've created 20 chances and we d- they just didn't go in the net, I'm happy with that. You know, that's very different than... <laughs> if anyone <laughs> can very... hear that, my... can you hear that? My dog yes, dreaming yes. in the background. Can you hear him dreaming? Yeah. Like, is he dreaming? dreaming, is he? Oh, bless He's him. dreaming. Yeah, yeah, he's dreaming. He's literally laying next to me. I think he's dreaming of a Joe Taylor, uh, Freddie Draper up-top combo. One minute, Absolutely. ladies and gentlemen behind the curtains. Charlie Bomb, Charlie, Charlie, hey, good boys. There we go. Um, right, let's go move on. 21 minutes in. I keep saying, I say this every time, you and I, we could talk longer about a game than actually the game goes on for. So um, we'll pick up on the on the chances. Now, there were two chances before the Joe Taylor one. We're going to probably talk about Joe Taylor. There was two that stuck in my mind. There was um, Rico probably didn't make the right decision in, in one moment and he, he kind of got a bit of a breakaway and he fired low. I think Vickers saved it. But it probably should have crossed. I've got no issue with that because we got a shot away on target. The keeper made the save. And so I think I said to Matt sits next to me, he hasn't made the right decision, but he hasn't made a bad decision. And I think that that's, that's key. And actually we, we're not probably going to talk too much about Rico, but I thought it was telling 
how good he looked on the ball. And he, he just, he scared them because he gets his head down and he wants to run and he wants to beat players. Michael Scabala said last week after the Wickham game, that terrifies defenders at this level. We saw it with Cashin terrified when Joe Taylor, well, I say ran at him. He, he basically ran round him, didn't he? It was, he didn't even have to run at him. He just passed him by. Um, but you know, with Rico doing that, and we're going to talk about transfers, but get somebody else capable of doing that on the other flank. Really good. Um, and then there was Ethan Hamilton's free kick. I'm there. We never do anything from free kicks. Great save from Josh Vickers. By the way, man of the match, I think, for um, Derby. He was in the team of the week uh, in the non-league paper. Ethan Hamilton, our man of the match in the non-league paper. Found that interesting. But anyway, there we go. Um, thought he played well, but whatever. Um, but the big chances were the two Joe Taylor chances, weren't they, in the first half? And he's missed the target on both of them. And I'm not going to criticise it because... The, for me, the one I'm going to pick up on, I think, was the first one where he's just picked the ball up in his own half and just gone. And I, I said he was reminiscent of Brook Norton Cuffey, Wickham, last season or the season before, whenever we had, you know, where all of a sudden there's this lone player's got the ball and he's just run with it and run with it. And part of me is almost thinking Maradona, 86, not the handball, <laughs> you know, the other sublime run. It's just, this is going in, this is going in. Um, I know we're talking about Joe Taylor, but two chances that we haven't had a player over the last three months with Rico's injury that's capable of doing what Joe Taylor did there, albeit the fact he missed. Yeah, absolutely. And um, if, you, if you're creating it, I think it's particularly the first one because he created it all himself. Yeah. yeah. Like you can't criticise anything. Like he's got us up the pitch. He's, he's got a shot away and he's unlucky not to score. Like it's just such a nice, it's just a refreshing thing, isn't it? To have a threat like that because we haven't had it. We haven't had it at all. Um, and you know, I don't think many teams in this league do have that particular threat. You know, not with, not a, to that extent. And then the second one, um, obviously a little bit more teamwork, but it was it was primarily his own his own doing again. And I think he's really unlucky because he's tried to really place that in in the top corner, and it's not as far away as it looks. Um, is he going to be disappointed? At a centre forward, of course he is. You want to score goals, but I think the fact he's created those sort of chances, he's got you know bombs off seats at Central Bank, which let's be honest hasn't been something that's been that common uh, in the last couple of years in terms of that sort of excitement. It just got everyone on board, didn't it? I think straight away. And it was from his first chance that I thought, that's when I really thought, hang on, we've got, we've got a real, real threat here. Cause that's, he was a little quiet up until that point, as you said. And, um, but once he got there, he was, he was a live wire. And I just saw enough yesterday just to think, well, that guy's going to score some goals for us. Like yeah. there's no doubt about it. He just is. It will come in the next two, three, four weeks. He'll, he'll get one or two goals and then he'll, yeah, I'm not going to say he's going to score loads and loads and loads, but he will score goals for us this year. Um, and I have to say, in terms of lone centre forwards, we haven't really had one for ages where you really had that feeling, right, well, that guy's guaranteed goals. You know, it's always, just, oh, he's got a bit of strength. He's got a bit of pace. He might get in good positions. He's got a shot away. Maybe it'll come if he puts him away. With Joe Taylor, yes, I thought, well, yeah, that guy's guaranteed goals. I've got a caveat to that, which I'll come on to. Um, but the second chance created by Freddie Draper winning the ball, playing it to Rico Hackett and Hackett putting it in the channel. Three players not playing, two not playing three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. We said on the podcast so many times, this team's fine apart from the top three, top front line. And critics, and, and people are entitled to their opinion, but critics have said, you know, these players coming back don't change this as a fundamental problem, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you've got two chances, by the way, separated by a minute, those chances, 38 and 39 minutes, that prove that actually if you have those types of players fit and in the team, 
you'll create chances. Because aside from that, like we're talking about all these changes that have been made, aside from Hackett, Taylor and Draper, everyone else has been a regular this season. Rowan, Hamilton, Mitchell, Jensen, it's the same sets of players, just, just with a front line. Um, and secondly, the one caveat I will put on Joe Taylor's performance yesterday is it would it did remind me a little bit of Liam Cullen. Now, whether it was his debut or not, we played Cambridge United and he looked a real threat. He missed a good opportunity. He got in two or three good spaces. And I remember saying he'll score goals for us. And look what happened. I don't think I don't think that that will happen with Joe Taylor, by the way. But that's just the caveat that you know we have seen it. Yeah, it's a good point. I think Liam Cullen, and it's obviously with hindsight, because he's obviously been playing and scoring for Swansea since he's been at us, that it was obvious that there was talent there. I, I think with, with Liam Cullen, the talent was with his kind of on like on the ball, in tight areas, like getting in good positions to get shots away, and it didn't quite fall for him at times for us. I don't think Liam Cullen had the opportunity, had, has the skill set to create a chance for himself. Joe Taylor did. Yes, I think there's, yeah, there's, there's yeah, a difference a there. Um, yeah, so... It's interesting. It's Not, just it's just so refreshing to be able to have this sort of conversation about chances that we've missed. Is a question <laughs> about Joe Joe Taylor. If you come up against a team like Exeter or Fleetwood that play really deep line, is he going to be as effective? That's the question. I think that's where that's what you said into the test. That will be the test. Mm. Um, that's where you got to see. You know, is he got that poacher's instinct as well as the the in behind running? But let's not forget. You know, you can still run in behind for a with a, with a ten yard forward pass with a good run. But in terms of really exploiting that space that's in behind with that kind of electric pace that he did on Saturday against Derby, yeah, the, the time will tell with that. Um, next week will be really interesting because I think Peterborough are better going forward than Derby are, but I think they're worse defensively. So that'll be a really interesting dynamic next week, I think, when it comes to those front two. But let's be honest, it's not it's not really about Peterborough. That's, that's not really the sort of games that we're too concerned about it's the next five in in February that it is and yeah that'll be a big test and and maybe you'll see a tweak here or there in terms of tactics if it doesn't go to plan um one of the guys I work with is a Colchester season ticket holder so I just chatted into him last week I think what sort of player is Jed so you see the stats you see the highlights you see his goals what is he and um what he said is he's a nuisance Mm -hmm. it's just a nuisance it'll just give defenders a nightmare it'll make it'll get defenders booked it'll make them give fouls away, and he'll score you some goals. He says he's a poacher. Um, he didn't say too much about his in-behind running, interestingly, considering that's all we saw on Saturday. Um, so from that kind of, from that insight that I got from, from the guy I work with, that that interests me because, you know, you've got two players up front that offer polar opposite threats, but they're two things that defenders absolutely hate. Someone that's going to physically dominate them and someone that's going to make them run towards their own goal. And we've got both of them playing in the team. And, it's just something we haven't had for months and it's just so refreshing and I've, I've got a lot of time for it. I really have. We're, we're labouring on a point here and we're going to do it once again when we move into the second half. Um, Derby, wrong shouts just before half time. I think it was just for half time round. Four, yeah, it was on half time actually. Strong shouts for a red card. Now, um. People who, there are a set of Lincoln fans who like to be, not when I say anti-Lincoln, there's the red, the rose-tinted brigade who see something and instantly go, look in Lincoln's favour and go, that should have been that, that should have been this. Alternatively, there's the opposite to that, where it's almost cool and niche every time there's a contentious decision to kind of go, well, we shouldn't have had that. And there are a group of fans that are like that. And both those fans, I think, had 
reasonable points to make uh, around the challenge by Kane Wilson on Ethan Arahant on 45 minutes because the rose-tinted brigade will have seen a player going in late, a little bit high off the ball, and the other brigade will be going, well, he was in control, it's one foot, and the crowd and the Lincoln players have made a lot more of it than there was. I've watched the replay back, and bear in mind on our um, Stacey West Patreon uh, Discord channel, it was a 50-50 split, I think, as to whether it should have been a red card or not. You've just watched it back for the first time, but I've, I watched it back at the time. I watched it back in the stands. I watched it back last night. I still can't make my mind up. I think half of the referees in this division send Kane Wilson off and half of the referees in this decision do what Ollie Yates did, dig their heels in and not be swayed by the crowd. Um, so I'm sitting on the fence I'm not going to let you do that. You have to pick red card or not red card. Uh, otherwise, you know, what's the point? I think it's the other card. Well, I, I think it's the other card. Oh, sorry. Red card. No. Because I think well, it should have been a red. I think it's the other card. I think it was given the other way. And I get, if we've given that foul away and you get given a red, you think, bloody hell, that's harsh. He's only he's a bit late. Yeah. I don't even think it's that high. Um, I think it's the fact it's late in an attacking area, and we've been on a really good, we've had a good spell for ten minutes, and it's it breaks down and you know attack. And there was two or three, you know, other kind of beefy challenges before that. I think I I actually think the refs, as you all know, everybody that's listening, it's quite rare for me to praise a referee, and I think he was inconsistent in the second half just to add some balance. But in that particular moment, I actually thought he de he dealt with the situation quite well. Um, because it would have been easy to listen to the crowd. Um, I also don't uh, think. I also don't think that we made more of it than we should have. I, I'm not going to buy that element. And say, oh, I made much of it. No, it was a bad tackle. It was a strong challenge. It was late. It's a yellow card, in my opinion. You know what? I'm just watching it back now. I'm not on a phone screen. Actually, on the on Y Scout, and I tell you something. I think I think that's a red. I was sitting on the fence a minute ago and I'm watching it back now in slow motion. And Arahan has played the ball. He's come in, his studs are up. It doesn't matter his high. He's led with his studs. Now, it reminds me a little bit of a challenge that um, Chapman, Ellis Chapman made against mm. uh, Cambridge. I, I th do you know what? I'll, after we've recorded, I'll send you this. In fact, I won't. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pause the recording briefly now for people and I'm going to send you this better recording okay. and then we're going to come back and discuss it. So people, ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, we're going to press pause now. I'm Ethan Arahon and I'm listening to the, to the Stacey West podcast. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B and advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. 
We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So welcome back. Chris, you've now seen it. What do you reckon now? Um, ladies and gentlemen, I've changed my mind. It's a naughty <laughs> um, tackle. It's a naughty tackle. Yeah, I know when you slow it down, because we watched it on like super slow mode there, it always makes it look a little worse. But yeah, I'll be honest. Um, when I watched it back the first time, I didn't realise studs were up as, as much as they were. And I actually thought he'd made contact with his other his other leg. He's actually made contact with the, the standing leg, which is further away. So yeah, that's naughty. That's very naughty. That could quite easily have been a red card. In hindsight, could yes, quite easily been a leg breaker. It could, yeah, if it caught, gets him in the wrong place, definitely could. Yeah, um, could. So yes, I'm going to change my mind. Uh, so everything I said a few minutes ago, um, ignore that. It should have been a red card. <laughs> so, uh, so there we go. So that's what we think about the red card. So we'll go on to the second half. With 33 minutes in, we've nearly spoken about the first half for as long as the first half took place, um, which is what we do on the Stacey West podcast these days. Uh, so we're going to the second half. I thought um, Derby came out revitalised, re-energised, shooting towards which was, with respect, a really good away following vocal most of the game. Very, very good away following, to be fair to them. I thought, here we go. This is it. We're going to be under the cosh. And then there was a chance. The Joe Taylor chance uh, came, I think it was about nine minutes into the second half, where, he's, you know, I mean, poor old Cashin, I would imagine he's waking up even now having nightmares. <laughs> he's looking over his shoulder in the supermarket in case Joe Taylor comes past in his trolley. Um I mean, he's absolutely stripped him. You know, he may as well have taken his clothes off, folded them up and put them at the side of the pitch. Josh Vickers has made a good save. He's tried to dink it over him from a tight angle. It's actually a really good little dink, I think. Um, and, and Cashin's redeemed himself just. Yeah, I'd say in terms of Joe Teller's first two chances, like I said, we're not criticising him because he created them in the first place, right area and everything. But if there was a small criticism, it was obviously the final, the final moment, that last finish. It's just absolutely nothing wrong. He makes and it's he's running full power and to make a, a good decision because the right decision there. And I, you know, as a goalkeeper, just the worst finish you can play against someone running down you on a wide angle. You've got to slide either right or left, and whichever side you slide, you can't get your hand in the position. The other side, a dink over you, like across your body, is 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 a really that's the finish that you hate in that situation. You want them to try and slide it near post because you can get low. And Joe Taylor makes the right decision, and it's a really good finish. And it's it's not just a decent save; it's a superb save from Josh Vickers. They're so hard on a one-on-one, um, and they can say, "Yeah, Cashin gets back in and, and, and clears the ball." But I think Joe Taylor, I felt so sorry for like because the first two in the first half, obviously, did so well to create and missed the last moment. He's, done, he's literally done everything right. He's done everything right uh, in that moment, and he deserved he deserved a goal then. But Josh Vickers made a great save, and they said Cashin cleared the lines there as well. But Again, like we, I'm not going to, we're not going to go into too much depth about it. I'm sure, but it's just a nice, it's just nice to have that threat, yeah. isn't it? It's so refreshing to have that threat. 
it's because he headed over from um across a little bit later on, I think, as well. And again, it was a cross where I didn't think he stood a chance of getting it, and he's had a header at goal. And I think one argument that I have I have a lot of arguments with a lot of things, but is that we never really seem to score headers from crosses. And it was just nice to see as he okay, he headed it over, but you know, I thought um yeah, it, it was superb. Look, we're, we're gonna kind of just pick up the pace a little bit as we did on the counter-attack yesterday. Um, we then had a penalty shout, which got both Freddie Draper and Joe Taylor booked um, in, uh, in in equal measure. Again, uh, I've watched it back. My initial thought here is, my initial thought here was, well, that's a penalty. Um, I've watched it back. Probably not a penalty, is it? Yeah. It's also not a dive. It's also not. No. It's not a yellow card. I I don't think it's a pen, but I don't think it's a dive. In the modern interpretation of what a dive is, should I say? Because you know, I suppose the old school version of me thinks, well, oh, if you if you're trying to fool the referee in any way, shape, or form, it's a dive. It gets clipped. There's no denying he gets a bit of contact there, but he's already on the way down, um, and he takes a big old touch away from the defender. His touch goes out for a goal kick. You know, it takes a big old touch away from the defender because he's playing to touch it away from the defender. All he wants to do is get there first so that he can get the contact and go down. Um, I think because of that and the fact that his touch has gone out for a goal kick because there's no intention of him trying to keep the ball in play, it ain't a pen. But I think it's a bit harsh to book him because he has got clipped as much as he's going down already. And I think this just shows the difference of things that happen in and outside the box because there was a moment... Uh, I don't know who which player it was for Derby. Not not that long later on our on our defending right flank, um, yeah. and it was a blatant dive, a blatant yeah. dive, and the ref didn't even stop the game. And yeah. hang on, mate, like if you're given a, if you're given a dive and a booking for Freddie, then come on, like down here, that's it's at least a foul because for simulation. And uh, yeah, so I think the inconsistency there was a little bit harsh. So I don't think it was a pen, but I think I think it was harsh to book him, and obviously. I understand why Joe Taylor was annoyed at that, and he obviously got himself booked for chatting back at the referee, and that was that does limit our pressing a little bit when you got both centre forwards on the yellow card. Um, yeah, I think it's a bit harsh on Fred, to be honest. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's that. It's 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 not a pen, and I was screaming blue murder at the time. Um, by the yeah. way, lovely link up from Dylan Duffy and Sean Rowan to create the opportunity um, with Duffy playing the ball in for Rowan on the overlap. I thought Rowan was excellent yesterday. Absolutely excellent. I thought he was composed the whole game. I thought that he had um, a big challenge at times. Remember playing playing left back against Portsmouth, and I think who was the boy Marcus Harness? I think absolutely owned him. Uh, and Rowan now is just—I mean, okay, I know he's three years older or four years older, but he was um, dealing with Mendes Lang, etc. With I thought not ease. He had a tough afternoon in terms of the work he had to put in, uh, but I thought that he was more than up to the task. Yeah, I agree, 100%. I think we've found Sean Rowan's long-term position for us. I think that in the system that we're playing, playing currently, it plays to his strengths and it and it hides his weaknesses a little bit. Because we all know his weakness, of course, is not the most adventurous going forward and maybe hasn't got the composure in the final third. I think, particularly since you mentioned then against, against Portsmouth, what he's improved at, so much in that time. And I think it, it, it's it's a genuine attribute of his now. It, he's a really good one-on-one defender. He's a yeah. really, really good one-on-one defender. If you play left centre-back and you're defending in a five as wing-backs, as we have been all season, 
You don't do that much one-on-one defending because your wing-back's doing that. He's playing, but you play him left wing-back in that in that position and he doesn't offer enough going forward. It's not his strengths. You play him left-back in a four, but he tucks in as a three when we're attacking, but it's his job to do the one-on-one defending with the attacking winger, suits him down to the ground. And now and then he had the opportunity to get forward when the time was right and he got decent balls in and made good runs. But on the whole, he tucks in as a third centre-back out of possession. I think it, we've just played to his strengths. And that's the sound of a good manager, isn't it? And a good system. You, you, you Square peg, square holes, but you, you yeah. create a system that, that gets the best out of your players. In a back four, him doing... So basically, playing to Sean Rowan's strengths allows Lars Sorensen to play to his strengths on the other side by getting forward all the time. So yeah, yeah. I think Sean was great. And um, I, I imagine you're going to mention other players. But there's one player I wanted to make a real special mention to yesterday. I thought Alex Mitchell, I think that's the best performance in a Laker City shirt. He was a man mountain, a warrior. Yeah, he was I agree. outstanding, outstanding. Adam Jackson got some plaudits on the radio, uh, I believe, and rightly so, because he was great as well, after a real calming influence. But I thought Alex Mitchell was just incredible. I don't think he lost it. I'm sure the stats might say one or two. To me, it felt like he didn't lose a duel. He won everything. And I just felt like he just didn't give the opposition anything at all. He showed good um, decision-making and when to clear, when to play. He won his battles and his recovery defending. When we looked like we were getting caught on the break, he should go show good pace, good awareness to get recovery defending. I thought he was he was my man of the match. Alex Mutzel was my man of the match, despite the fact we had great chances created from Joe Taylor. There was a good ball player in the middle. Um, Alex Mutzel was superb yesterday and it's going to be very, very difficult for Paul Diego to get back in the team. Unbelievably, Alex Mitchell, aerial duels yesterday, 5-1-3. But he made 14 interceptions 14 go. interceptions that is unbelievable it really is and I, I do you know what i'm going to mention adam jackson as well because for me he's one of my favorite players to see him um wearing the captain's armband is i think is something i'd like to see for the rest of the season he's a player who has shrugged off what people consider to be injury proneness and sick note and all of that sort of stuff um that doesn't, you know, he, he's moved through that. I thought he was an absolute warrior, an absolute warrior yesterday afternoon. Um, and alongside, there's been, a, there's a fear from some, potentially me included, that you play like Mitchell, O'Connor, Jackson, or any variations of, and, and you're lacking a little bit of pace. But actually, I thought Mitchell showed a real turn of pace at times. There was a tackle in the first half yep. that was absolutely superb. Um, and then in the second half, there was there was a moment, and I've gone on to Mitchell here rather than Jackson, where with about we were in injury time, and Alex Mitchell won a tackle, and it came off the Derby player and went out for a throw in, and he celebrated, celebrated it like a goal. Yeah, and I'm just it kind of blew it blew my mind a little bit. And and we talk about Adam Jackson, look, his strength is often aerial jewels, and yeah, yesterday seven aerial jewels won five, so seventy one percent that's good. But actually, that's nowhere near the same amount of aerial jewels as, for instance, he had to make against Wickham or he had to make against Barnsley. Actually, he's he's a very good defender as well, and sometimes we categorise. Adam Jackson as the warrior. He puts a head in, he puts a foot in. Whereas, you know, you look at the likes of TJ and Sean Rowan and you think there's a little bit more finesse there. I think Adam Jackson is, I think he was superb and I think he is an all-round complete defender. Um, yeah, I think I think he's a really calming influence in the back line. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really that's really great. I think it really helps in that regard in that situation. Just 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 gives us that moment just to go 
everything's okay now. You know, kind of, it's not, it's not kind of hot potato, is it anymore? It's just right. Okay, I can, I can put a foot in it here. I suppose, like long term, you would maybe like to have a real ball playing centre back in the squad, so that you can be a little, you know, in those games that you think we're going to have a bit more of the ball and we can play out a bit more. You, you have the option to to play to play that in that in that role and, and get us up the pitch with a bit more control. But in a game like yesterday, when you're playing against a really good team that you're going to play a bit more on the break and you're going to be asked a lot of defensively, those two are great. You know what? And I don't know how realistic this would be. Probably not very, because I imagine his his um his ceiling's much higher than League One. But I would love it if we could keep Alex Mitchell in Lincoln City next season. Absolutely. If we're going to go four at the back, is there a need? You've got O'Connor, you've got Jackson. We might bring in a ball play. You've got TJ Omi, you've got Sean Rowan. You're right. Squad, but I just thought, thing. not just because I'm not yesterday, because he's been good all along. But yesterday was his best performance on Lincoln City shirt. He was because, like, you know, I, I suppose the criti- the criticism I've had, I've had of him in regards to why I've left him out in other things was he's not our player. I picked Paulie ahead of him at times because Paulie's our captain and, and Alex wasn't. Um, that was the only reason I, I, I'd made that decision. But also maybe. In regard to ball playing, there was a couple of games, I can't remember which show it was, where he thought, oh, it's got stuck under his foot a little bit there. It just slowed us down a tad. But it was good on the ball yesterday as well. Um, it didn't look particularly silky, I think, and I'm sure Alex would, would admit something himself. But in terms of decision-making, it was great. But as a, just a defender, he was great. And yeah, like I said, do we need him? In terms of numbers in the squad, no, probably not. But would I like him because he's good? Yeah. Hell yeah. And Ben would like him because he's got his phone number. <laughs> of course, <laughs> who's your Um, so there was a Jack Moylan chance late on. Look, I'm not going to go into too much detail on that. I thought that uh, it was a, a golden opportunity when you watch it back, and he's just mistimed it. That's fine, he's raw, we know all of that. Here's my big question I've got an issue with a stat, and bear in mind, we haven't reached the point yet where we said there was going to be an ad break and we're on 46 minutes, so I'm gonna we're gonna have to be creative with what we talk about for the next 15 or 20 minutes. But I want to make a, I want to make a point about a stat XG. Mm-hmm. Now, I like XG, I do, but the XG yesterday was Derby 1.24. I get that, I, I, I understand that. Lincoln 1.14. Now, I'm not happy with that, if I'm honest, because I want to know how Joe Taylor's two one-on-ones were 0.16 and 0.17. I want to know how he's one on 54 minutes from the tight angle was 0.07. And his best opportunity was the header, 0.43. Our best opportunity was a Joe Taylor header that nobody really kind of looked at and thought, well, that was a great opportunity. You look at the one-on-ones. I, I, do you know what? I just, it's just, just, and I know there'll be people going, Gary is sold out or whatever. I'm just beginning to question the XG figures from Y Scout there. I think it's, it's. In, I think this is why we say it's a guide. It isn't always fact. It's in in context. All stats, in my opinion, are great. In isolation and not, I think actually particular in particular is the most open for debate, depending on the source. So for those of you that maybe just hear us say XG and switch off, just to give you an idea, what it's actually telling you is or how it's measured. It's measured differently with different sources. So for example, in some sources of XG, they'll literally say, okay, well, what part of the picture is the shot taken from? If it's in this area, it's this value. If it's this area, it's this value. The closer you are to the goal, the closer you are to the middle, the higher the value. In that 
case. Joe Tiller heads over from five yards out, middle of the goal. He's like, oh, well, that's a high XG chance. And his other ones are further out, so they're lower. But they don't take into consideration flight of the ball, whether it was a head, left foot, right foot, where the defenders are. Some XG measurements do take all those sort of things into consideration. And I don't know which is the best one. Uh, we use Wiseout because we have the luxury of having access to it and you know, we like to be consistent with it. But I agree that doesn't doesn't tell the full picture there because the t- you know on uh, FUTMOB is also quite good. So like when in game stats, FUTMOB is pretty useful. Do you want to know and what FUTMOB's XG was for us? Uh, less. 0.66. Yeah. Um, but it also breaks things down as key chances. And Dolby didn't have a single key chance. Um, we had two, missed two, but it was, but it was both Joe yeah. Teller's two one-on-ones, uh, classes key chances. And, and I think if you ask anybody about the game, as we've been discussing, what were the two key chances in the game? Well, it was going to be two of Joe Taylor's three one-on-one opportunities. So, yeah, you're right. It doesn't tell the whole story. I think overall, over a season, even on Scout, I think looking at pros and cons and fours and against with XGs gives you a good guide. But I think when you break it down chance by chance, there's definitely holes in it. Yeah. So let's look at what Paul Paul Mullen, uh, Paul Warren had to say. I don't think Wrexham striker Paul Mullen had an awful lot to say <laughs> about our game yesterday. Um, so this is a special feature for Pete who wanted to hear it. Those of you who were listening to Radio Lincolnshire on the way home will know it's something that Radio Lincolnshire have now introduced. I don't know if that's a new thing or not. I don't know if they're listening to Pete as well. So Michael Horton, if you're listening and, and you are reacting to what Pete wanted, you're welcome. Um, I thought Lincoln were really good, said Paul Warren. Not that I didn't expect them to be. They caused us problems on the counter. They had pace up top and they had two or three really good chances. In terms of control of play, I thought we were good. We moved the ball really well. But our stuff in the final third wasn't crisp enough. Against a team who were well coached and organised, really, we found it hard to create chances. Uh, what well, to have a clean sheet away from home and for the referee not to send Kane off, it could have been a lot worse, but it could have been a bit better. I didn't think we were bad. The lads kept going, but didn't create a chance for us to take. I like Paul Warren. Me too. He's, he their biggest, the ball. he's their biggest asset, in my opinion. He is. He smashed a ball in my face once um, and it hurt. And I still like Paul Warren because I feel that he's always honest. He's basically there said that, that Kane Wilson could have been sent off and that we should have scored a couple of goals. Um, against a really good Derby team, so there's no there's no real comment to be made there. That's that's as it is. Um, we wanted to talk about numbers. I've talked about XG. What I found really interesting, uh, and again, I wanted to pick up on it. I downloaded the match report. I can only get one of those from Y Scout, and we talked about PPDA, which is passes per defensive action. When you know the uh, the fewer passes means kind of a higher pressing, higher intensity. And you were quite surprised, Chris, when I said that our PPA, PPDA dropped right off in the first half. But actually, I think that's reflective of Skabala Masterclass in that we knew we needed to get in behind. We knew that we were going to want them to hit them on the break and use a bit of pace. So actually, we let them have the ball and we let them play it forward. And we didn't have a particularly high press in the final 30 minutes of the first half, which I think gave us then a degree of kind of opportunity to, to, to hit them on the break. We didn't have a lot of possession. I think it was I haven't got it directly to hand 30 something yeah high 30s i think 38 39 something like that yeah 38 39 so we, we had we had less possession um and but we didn't press we sat off them in the first half interestingly in the second half that changed and we looked to be a little bit uh a little bit more proactive in winning the ball perhaps in order to stop them actually creating chances because 
I tell you something, they can pass a football and some of their little runs and layoffs and, and dummies were, were superb. So I found that interesting around the um, the PPDA. Uh, do you have any final thoughts on Derby before we spend eight to ten minutes talking about the other topics <laughs> that we have? Uh, on the PPDA, it did surprise me, actually, because I, um, I thought we pressed well for the whole game. And I think it's not always just pressing intensity. It's uh, in terms of how many passes you allow. It's it's how intense you are when you do press. And yeah, I think looking back, they had a lot of the ball between their back two. But it's particularly Ethan Hamilton, I noticed this, when it when we, we funneled the ball out to their left back. And then as soon as it went there, it was like, bang. And then everyone snapped into it. I think our intensity and our challenge to try and win the ball back has massively improved due to Scoobus under Scoobala. Um, we're so much less passive just in our actual attempts to win the ball back. Um, over the last three or four games, our PPDA has massively dropped. So it did surprise me a little bit to see it was that it was that high. Um, but like you said, in the second half, it was a bit of a, a contrast. And I think it's interesting that the only two shots on target that Derby had all game were in the first eight minutes, as you said earlier. So you, you'd maybe think, you know what, we've probably pressing high. Actually, not only is that good for us in our attacking sense, it probably notified them a tad as well. But yeah, nothing else on Derby other than came out of it delighted, still delighted. And I've, you know yeah. what, I've got a real sense of positivity going into Peterborough next week now. I have as well. By the way, Callum Elder, three seasons in the championship out of the last four, by the looks of things, um, with Hull City as their left back. And we were happy to let him have the ball. And I just, again, you know, I think that that said a lot. I think that last got more out of Callum Elder than Callum Elder got out of last down that kind of right left flank um that's me just about done as well i think the only other thing i would say is that 80 percent of our attacks came down that left hand side which was the rico hackett sean rowan and then dylan duffy sean rowan kind of left hand side i think that that's potentially quite interesting it doesn't you know it doesn't suggest that we weren't strong on the right that derby's attacks were split 32 34 34 across left middle and right whereas we were 80 10 and 10 um, so I just think again, there's there's real scope because we're segueing into transfers and players coming in. There's real scope when we have a Rico type player who can operate on the right hand side as well um, for for that balance to kind of shift. I do think that the way we're playing at the moment really does hint at a long term change to a back four, um, but with you know with that kind of flexibility that obviously we're showing. But I think that that's that's what we're hinting towards. So we'll talk very briefly about. A young man who was reportedly seen at the game yesterday, who was on trial at Lincoln uh, a couple of weeks ago. He played against Boston in the game that we won 4-0 and then got kicked out of the Lincolnshire Senior Cup. He wasn't one of the players that we mentioned in a headline article, and we did about three headline articles on it. And he appeared at the bottom of the fourth, uh, the, the third one that Charlie did. And um, His name is Sheen Sheenan Mullen. I think that that's right. And um, there's a few different pronunciations. So he's a young lad from uh, Dundalk. Um, he's a central midfielder. He looks like he plays holding central midfield. Uh, he's only had a handful of appearances for Dundalk. Their uh, manager was talking yesterday about how they're really keen to sign him, but he has offers from what they call the continent, I think he said there, but that's that's UK. He specifically mentioned us in that interview saying um, he appeared in a trial match for Lincoln City or the, the Irish Independent report did. Um, not somebody I think we're likely to bring in and see in the first team between now and May. Wouldn't even surprise me if it's somebody that we don't bring in, um, if he indeed he is coming in and loan straight out to Ireland. Critics will say 
there are other countries and other nationalities. Um, people who want to answer the critics will say Sean Rowan, uh, Dylan Duffy, both excellent yesterday. Uh, both come from Ireland. Freddie Draper, excellent yesterday, been on loan in Ireland. They call it the Farmers League, the critics. Um, Andy Person, we're talking to you. Uh, I don't think it is. I think there's a lot of talent coming out of Ireland. I think this is just another potential player for the next four, four or five years rather than the next four or five months. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, as you said, nothing concrete yet, but you yeah. know, I, th I think we've, uh, I think we've got the evidence to know that it can be a bit of a happy hunting ground over the over there in Ireland. And again, really interestingly, when we had the, had that presentation from from Jez, because with the new rules in regards to, um, you can now sign players that would normally fail a work permit. You can have a two spots of those each season. The the big discussion was, well, well where else can we scout to try and find those the real value? Uh, and it was really interesting to look at other parts of, of Europe, of, of the world, actually. And yeah, can't give too much away in regards to that, but it was really interesting and really exciting and really smart. But what they also said is uh, there are certain areas that we think, you know, we know every single player in certain areas like we're really super good. And it was League One, League Two, um, Premier League Two and the National League, I think. I think. And it's like we know every single player, first team, reserve team, youth team in all those and Ireland as well. And, you know, if, you, if I trust the club because they know what they're doing and, and the evidence is there. You're never, ever going to get 100% hit rate when it comes to transfers. But I think when it certainly when it comes to, to bringing players in from Ireland, I think we've we've got the majority right. You know, Asheen Gallagher has, has has started, you know, someone who's been in the background for quite some time, but had a really positive loan spell over at uh, Peterborough Sports alongside Hayden Cam. They've both gone out to Drahada uh, now. And if the same thing happens to them as it did for the other young ones that have been out there the last couple of seasons, you know, that, that that's another one on the conveyor belt. So, yeah, I've got right. this, It's just, just good in it. Let's get him in, hopefully, and give him a chance to develop. And then, fingers crossed, it's, it's another one that works out long term but not my, short term. my understanding of Oshin Gallagher is Michael Scobala really likes him um and they are planning for him to be a part of the first team squad next season hence not loading into Ireland for the full year they're actually gone they're only loaned until January so um you know there's a real uh, not January um that's July. now only loaned to July and the intent is to bring him back next season I see him being a part of the first team squad next season I think that's really interesting we had got transfers to talk about but there is something else we ought to mention that we have skipped over because you talk about recruitment and it's really easy when a player is sold or a player leaves who hasn't impacted the side, uh, you see the critics again, and look, people are entitled to their opinion, but the critics will come on and go, another classic example of great recruitment. And that happened this week with Charlie Kendall. Charlie Kendall recalled from Dagenham, sold to Woking. You would imagine covering our initial outlay, um, 23 years old, people saying he wasn't given a chance. Perhaps that's right, but he hasn't earned the chance in the loan market when he's been out on loan he hasn't really he's been unlucky Sutton was a bad loan for him um you could argue loaning somebody to a top end national league side he's actually more detrimental to their development than a bottom end one because a bottom end one they're going to get games they might be getting hammered but at least they're going to get 90 minutes whereas you loan him to Bromley who were replying he was only ever going to be a, a, a kind of a cover there so five goal involvements at Dagenham not outstanding uh, player that probably will end up back in the football league if he gets a bit of a run at, at Woking the point I'm making is that not every single player you sign is going to impact the first team. And it's the same with Ireland. If we do sell, if we do bring in Sheen and Mullen or um, you know, you've got Oshin Gallagher or you've got players that we bring in, you've got your Dylan Duffys, you've got your Jack Moylans. 
they're not all going to make it. The fact is that transfer is almost a little bit like um, it's not really like buying a lottery ticket, but you know, it's like you don't always get the good ones. Sometimes it is a little bit of a risk, and it's not a reflection, I don't think, on Jez or the recruitment team that Charlie Kendall has come in, not managed to penetrate the first team, and has been sold again. You know, Zach Elbazetti, the Theo Archibald, it happens. Um, one thing I would say about Charlie, I think he's been quite unlucky because he came in as a Michael Appleton player. When he arrived at Lincoln City, Michael Appleton had left. You know, Ken and Mark Kennedy clearly didn't fancy him despite him playing and scoring in the League Cup. And then he's had disappointing loan spells on the back of that. So, um, but Charlie Kendall, National League. I think that's his level. I think the the wider point on recruitment's a valid one. Let's go back to that some that that winter transfer window. We signed two players from, from non-league, two centre-forwards. We signed Ben House and we signed Charlie Kendall. You know, and, and neither of them for extortionate fees. And I think if you're looking at well, what are they worth? Obviously, we know Ben's injured at the moment. We know the value he has, and we know his potential. You think, well, if we were to sell either of them this summer, then you're going to get a reasonably good six-figure fee for for Ben House and make a significant profit on on that. And Charlie's gone, and we haven't lost any money on Charlie. And we've also got a future interest. So if he does go on do well at Woken and get sold on again, we'll, we'll, we'll get an income from that. They don't all work out on the pitch, as you say, but I think in terms of the, the purely hard numbers and business side of it, the club's really smart with that. Um, we had a fan advisory board meeting yesterday uh, before the game and the accounts are going to be released later in uh, this week, I believe. And one thing that's going to be come out of them, I think it's already mentioned briefly in, in some comms at some point, but it's more of an off-the-cuff comment, is that um, this most recent financial year has been the most successful in terms of player sales in the foot club's history. And you think we haven't even wow. made a major sale. I'm not 100% sure. So that'll include Cohen Bramman, Cohen, Cohen Bramman, because this is obviously his last season. Um, but it was just really interesting that there wasn't like a headline sale, but clearly the deals that we've come or that like the sell on clothes from other players and things that have happened in other areas. Yeah. In the club's history, um, we've had the most successful net net transfer profit. That's obviously yeah. good. That's, that's really, that, that's interested me. So, so that's calendar year to April. Is that April? Is that, is that calendar year account or is it April to April? Oh, it's whatever accounts that's released this week. It's those ones, <laughs> basically. Okay. So wait till it comes out. I'm pretty sure it's basically last season, I think, but I'm not 100% 22, sure. 22, 23. So players so. out. Uh, Cohen Bramwell was sold. Yeah. Uh, Scully to Wigan. Yeah. Yeah, we never that knew how much that was. We never, actually, we never actually got the, the fee for that. Jamie Robson to Forest Green, which everybody said we'd lost money on. No, I, that was again. I can't. I can't say too. We much. made money. Jez, I think. On Jez told us the story of that, and he couldn't. He couldn't believe that we managed to get a significant profit from, from from that deal. So yeah, that was that was interesting. But yeah, ultimately, you know, in terms of on the pitch, I think we're in a good good place at the moment, and we, we can, we're just like looking ahead. But off the pitch, in terms of the pure just business side of it, bearing in mind you're working with human beings here, you're not selling products, you're selling with human beings, and there's so many variables there. Um, if you look at just at numbers, pure numbers, it's they're going all right. They're going all right. So I trust them. Simple as that. So, I trust them. We're not going to get 100% hit rate, but on the whole, I trust them. I really do. We were going to talk about players that we wanted to bring in, but we're an hour and three minutes, and we ought to let who's on on Thursday. 
think it's me, me again. I think it's me. <laughs> is it you and me again, or did you think... swap with Charlie because you dropped out of one? Charlie, yeah, I think it is me and you. Maybe me and you again. It might be Ben. Anyway, yes, whoever's on I'm on Thursday needs. I'm definitely on on Thursday. Whoever's on on Thursday really needs something to um, to to talk about, and I think probably the transfer window might be a, might be a good thing. If it's you and me again, I think we could keep talking now and uh, and still be there. What is it? January the twenty fifth. So it's mm. you and oh, I've got Ben and Charlie. So it's Ben and Chris. Okay. Yeah. So it's Ben. So I'll I'll, I'll leave that to you and Ben because you'll only have a game to preview. Um, so we'll let you talk transfers on uh, on Thursday. Um, okay. Been a really positive Stacey West podcast episode number two hundred and sixty nine. We have skipped the ad break, so you're gonna you're gonna be listening to this going. Well, no, you had an ad break, um, but in the recording we planned one, uh, and we 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 haven't got it. So I'm gonna drop it in. I think where Chris watches the red card back. It was nil nil. We're a hundred sixty four minutes in, and we've probably spent fifty four of those talking about a nil nil. It was one of the best nil nil draws we've seen at Central Bank in a long, long while. I seem to think one against Wickham a couple of years ago was was similarly as entertaining. We didn't feel like the underdogs. We didn't feel like we were half a team. We didn't feel like we were overawed by a side who really are full of championship quality players. Um, we were entertained, and that's one argument that a lot of people have said. Well, you're not entertained, but the Russell Crowe style. Well, we were entertained, and we hope to be entertained again on Saturday against Peterborough United. We have been the Stacey West podcast. I normally say we've been better, but you, you, you've probably been better than us listening to analysis on a game that was um, nil-nil with no goals. Uh, Chris is back on Thursday. He's going to be partnered by Ben. You'll hear from me a week today. Uh, there's not really much else to say, is there? Up the imps. Up the imps. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.